Welcome. So this week we're going to learn uh, Pasha's Miketz. Pasha's Miketz starts, Vahim Miketz Nasaim Yomim, Upare Choylem. Pari had a dream two years later. Two years later than what? Two years after the Sarah Mashkim was released from prison. So this was at the end of Pasha's Vayeshev. We have the story of Yosef being in the prison together with the Sarah Mashkim and the Sarah Oifim. And uh, he interprets his dream for him and uh, he's released. And Yosef says to him that when you're going to go back to your position, Pare will pardon you and you're going to go back to your position. When Pare is, uh, is gracious to you and it's good to you, then you should re- uh, remember me and tell him that there is this, uh, this uh, boy, a young man, who's in the prison and maybe uh, he should be released. He says the second time, he says you should remember me to Pare. He says this twice. Now, at the end of the Pasha, after uh, Sarmashkim is released, it says, He didn't remember him, and he forgot him. So Rashi says, um, On the day of his release, he forgot him, he forgot him afterwards. Because Yosef relied on the Sarmashkim, that he should uh, tell Pari about him and get him out of prison. That's why he was punished and he had to spend two more years in prison. And at the end of these two years, the whole thing happened with Paris Cholom, where Yosef was called out of prison to interpret it. Now, there's a kasha that everyone asks, that a person has to have betochen, but he also has to do a shtadlis. So why was Yosef punished for doing a shtadlis? He said, uh, you know, when you go there, please, you know, tell Pari about me, and, uh, and uh, maybe he can release me from prison. It was Ishtadlis. What was the problem? So there's a vart which is said from uh, the Balai Musar, but before he said, if you remember me, you can remember me. Why did he say twice? For Ishtadlis, once would have, been, would have been enough. Okay. That's Apidar um, But over here, Rashi says two things. He didn't remember him on the day that he was released, and he forgot him afterwards. Why are these two things? He forgot him, period. He forgot him, he didn't remember today, didn't remember tomorrow, didn't remember the next day. Why are these two things separated into two different forgettings? It's one, one long forgetting, why is it two? So I think that the pshat is that I have to think about it. He told the Saramashkin that Pari is having a birthday, and on the day of his birthday, so he pardons uh, he pardons certain criminals, and he's going to take you out of prison. He's going to bring you to the palace, and he's going to pardon you. So when when you're there, I want you to tell him that there's uh, a, I have a, a, a prison mate who's probably innocent, and maybe you can get him out. I mean, this is extremely presumptuous. 
tells him that uh, he's in there, he thought he's maybe going to get killed, Sarayusim got killed, maybe he's going to be executed. And all of a sudden it's a turnaround, and on the birthday, Paray decides that he's going to pardon him. He should be standing there and falling on the ground and saying, Oh, thank you, Your Majesty. Thank you, thank you, Your Majesty. Thank you. And by the way, there's another guy in prison. I mean, <laughs> you know, what is, what is that? What is that? Okay, so that's one. But later, that's what Yosef said to him. Remember me. Remember me. But then, what happened later? Why don't you, you know, six months later, you're back in the king's good graces, you're bringing him these great wines, no flies in the wine, everything is good, and, and the king is, uh, you know, he's looking at you with, um, with, he likes you, you're doing a good job for him. And then you say to the king, you know, when I was in prison, then there was a there was a young man there who I think was unjustly accused. Maybe you could look into it and get him released from prison. That would not be inappropriate. On the day, on the birthday in the palace, to tell him, but the, but this this young man in prison, that's inappropriate. But now it's not inappropriate. But there's a different problem. It's embarrassing. Because when you tell this to the king, to Paroi, you're reminding him that you did a crime and you were in jail and he only took you out and he pardoned you with the turkeys. You know, <laughs> he, he, but, but you know, you, you did something wrong. You, you committed a crime. So you're reminding him of your crime. It's embarrassing for him to do this. So that's a different thing. So, so then he has to do something embarrassing. So on the first day, he would have to do something inappropriate. On the second day, he would have to do something embarrassing. So this is what Yosef told them. I want you to remember me, when he pardons you, remind him of me. That was inappropriate. But he asked him anyway. It was inappropriate. But he says, if you don't want to do that, but at least later, at least later maybe you could tell him that I'm in prison. I'll sit here another few months, but at least later, I mean, every day is no good. So please do it the first day. No, it's, it's hard, but listen, I saved your life, so do it the first day. But if you don't want it the first day because you feel it's like way out of place to do that, okay. But then remind them later. When it comes later, you should remind them. So there's two different remindings here. There's the reminding on the first day, which is a problem of inappropriate, and the second day, on the later, is a problem that it's uncomfortable, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. So as Rashi says, The Sar Mashkim decided, even though he promised Yosef that he would do it, okay, so a promise is a promise. He decided that the first, on the day when he's in the palace on the birthday, He's not going to do it. No, I don't want to do it. Later, when he could have done it, but he decided also not to do it because it was embarrassing to him. So, you have to have a tochen, you have to have a shtadlos. 
the 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 Chavis says that for Ishtadlis, you do normal things. You need parnasa, you get a job. You don't go traveling to Afghanistan to make business because for Ishtadlis, you don't do things that are extreme. You do things that are normal. That's Ishtadlis. For Yosef to ask the Saramashkim to do something inappropriate and to embarrass himself to the king afterwards, that is extreme. And that is the concern in Betochen. That's not that. That's too much Ishtadlis. Too much Ishtadlis. So, what happens? So, two years pass. And uh, apparently, Yosef would have gotten out earlier if he hadn't done this, but he did it, so two years pass, and Pari has this dream. He dreams that um, seven fat cows and the seven skinny cows come out, and they, they swallow the seven fat cows. Now, this was a terrifying dream to him, because I imagine that it was violent. They probably, you know, took bites of the legs and they ate the this and the that. And it was, I mean, if they would have just gone out, but the, but it was a very violent dream. And he and, and and he and he and he woke up, and then it says he had his dream, right? And then, but he gets pare, and then he woke up, and then he's sleeping, and he has another dream with the seven stalks of wheat. It was also like a nightmarish dream. So he woke up and he was all all upset. And it's He was very disturbed. So he called He called his his Khartumim. He had on the staff of his palace, he had a, a team of of uh, interpreters, of dream interpreters. And they uh, I mean this wasn't the only time Pari had dreams. He had dreams, you know, every few days, every week, every day, I don't know. But, and then what did he do when he had a dream? He, he called his, uh, his uh, interpreting experts, and they came in, they told him what the dream means. Now this time, he called them in, and they gave him different interpretations, but he didn't like them. He didn't like them, he felt he, he, he didn't like them, he didn't accept them. Generally, probably he did accept them, but this time he didn't accept them. So we have to know why. Why didn't he accept them? What was, what was the problem with their interpretations? What was there about the dream that they were missing, that he felt that they weren't doing a good job interpreting the dream? So anyway, he's not happy. Now the Saramashkin wakes up and he says, that the chatoya ni masker ayoyim, because there is shomitonu nar nar ivri. There's this uh, Hebrew young man, and he he interpreted the dreams. What does chatoya ni masker mean? I'm I'm reminding you of my sins, plural. Why is it plural? There's only one sin that we know about. That he uh, that uh, he let the fly get into the into the wine. What are the two the chatoi plural two? So I think pshat in this is that the sin of the fly in the in the the wine is one sin. The other sin is because if he knew of this superstar interpreter in prison, 
and he didn't tell Pari about it for two years, and he was struggling for these two years with all these these hacks and these regular people who were giving him, you know, low-grade interpretations, and there was somebody sitting in prison that he knew about that could give him a much superior uh, interpretation. That was another sin. So he said, I'm, I'm confessing that I did two sins. I did the original sin for which I was in prison, and I kept quiet for two years because I was embarrassed, but now, in the time of emergency, where the king is frantic, he has no interpretation for his dream, I am telling you that I should have told you, I'm telling you now. There's this not every in prison. Okay? So, so Yosef comes out, and Parai repeats the dream to him, and tells him the dream. So Yosef interprets it, there's going to be seven years of plenty, and seven years of famine, and then he says a very interesting thing. He says, "Va'ato yere paroi ish novain v'chacham v'shiseyu aleretz mitzrayim." Paroi should go find an intelligent person. He should appoint him that he should be in charge of mitzrayim, and he should make officers, and they should collect collect food v'yikpesu, and they make storehouses and store it. So when the famine comes, who asked him for advice? I mean, they pulled him out uh, to interpret the dream. You interpreted the dream. All of a sudden, you've become Paro's, uh, Paro's uh, lead advisor, his economic advisor. How do you deal with an impending famine? I mean, who asked him? So I think the Pshat is like this. It says, Vayikat's para, between the two dreams, it says that he woke. And then when he told him, then when he says later, when he tells him the second dream, he says, I had this dream with the cows, Vayikat's. And he tells Yosef that he woke up. Vayikat's and I continued dreaming. doesn't say that he went back to sleep. Vayikat's Vayikat's. So the Rajbam says that Vaikots doesn't mean that he came fully awake. It means that he came to a different level of consciousness. So, you know, I can only talk about my own dreams, but sometimes I'm having a nightmare. Paris having a nightmare. So I'm, 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 this is, I'm, I'm making up this nightmare. I'm just giving you an example. Having a nightmare is that you're driving a car and you hit the brakes and they don't work and the car is out of control, and you're going down these roads, and, and, and you're trying to, 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 to stay on the road, and you're afraid you're going to hit that wall, and then you come to, like, uh, you know, uh, the cliffs, and maybe you're going to go over the cliff, and like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're about to die. And then, in the dream, you realize that this is a dream. You say, I'm, this has happened to me more than once, but, you know, not in this case. And, and I say, it's a dream. So, you know, okay, I'm in control. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move off this dream. I'll go dream about something else. So that's the end of the car chase and the car. You know, it's the end. I can, go, I can get away from it. I can go somewhere else. Uh, you have a certain amount of controls on your dreams if you're aware that you're dreaming. If you're not aware, then you feel that you're out of control. There's nothing you can do. What are you going to do? 
So Paris said that means he felt he in the dream he realized that it's a dream. He realized it. And then he continued dreaming. And this, he went to a different dream. And the different dream was also a nightmare. So he said there was a dream and there was uh, and I had a moment of of awareness within my dream that that um, that that I that I'm in a dream and that I could switch the channel, and then it continued. And the other dream was also a nightmare. So Yosef told him. So why did you have two dreams? Yosef told him because Hashem wants to tell you this is going to happen. But Yosef, nobody interpreted the ikots. That moment that that he felt that I can get out of this and I can switch to a different dream, that moment, all his interpreters did not interpret that piece of his dream. And that's why he wasn't satisfied. But Yosef said to him, this is what it means, you're going to have seven good years, and then you're going to have seven years of famine, and Vaikots, you know what Vaikots means? That there is something you could do, that you could take Ish Chacham V'Navon, Vaikots means Chacham V'Navon, like you see in the Avtorah by Shloyma, Vaikots V'Nei Chaloyim, that in the Chalom Hashem gave him Chachma, and he woke up and he's able to understand the, the language of the birds, so Vaikots is telling you, you have to find somebody who is a Chacham, and who is going to take control of the country, and it's going to set it up, that you will not start during the years of famine. That's what he was saying. He wasn't being presumptuous and saying that, you know, now, now, that, now that you called me to be an interpreter, I'm also going to be an advisor. No. He was interpreting the dream. The Vo'ikot's moment that you had, that Vo'ikot's moment means that you have to get a smart person to control the, 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 the production of the land and to make sure that you have enough food stored away that you will be able to get through the famine without starving. That's what Yosef did. Now, you find a similar thing this is Vaikot's moment in Pasha's Vayetze. So Yaakov has a dream. The Sulam is going up to the sky and Hashem talks to him and Vayikot Yaakov Vishnasai. Yaakov woke up from his sleep. I mean, he was having a nevuah, it wasn't just asleep. He, was, he woke up. And Rashi says, Vanoichi, oh, he says, Vayikot Vishnasai, Ochen Yesh Hashem Vemakam Azeh, Vanoichi Lo Yodati, I didn't know. So Rashi says, Sheim Yodati Lo Yashanti Vemakam Kodesh Kazeh. If I knew that this was such a holy place, I never would have gone to sleep here. Then it says, after that, two psukum later, He got up in the morning, which sort of gives the impression that he went back to sleep. If he was not, would not have slept there, why did he go back to sleep? So you could say pshat, you could, maybe that's, that's the pshat, that, that he woke up, he did not go back to sleep, he stayed up a whole night in the dark, as soon as it got light, that he was that as soon as it got light, right away, he went and he made the Matseva. You could say this. But the Pashto Pshat Nepasik seems to be that he went back to sleep. But the answer is that Vayikos doesn't mean he came wide awake. He came to an awareness in his dream. Vayikos, he realized that this is a holy place. 
That was his Vayikas moment. But he was still in the Nevoah, and he didn't wake up. But later, Vayashkem Yaakov. So, there's a lesson to be learned from this, from Paran, that people in their own lives, sometimes life could become nightmarish. You could be stuck in a situation, and, and it's just, you don't see your way out, and things are bad, and they're getting worse, and they're getting worse, and, and you just feel, for instance, let's say a person's in a business, and the business is not working, so he borrows more money, and he invests it, and he does this, and he does that, and he keeps it, and he keeps pushing at it, and pushing at it, and pushing at it, and it's a nightmare. He can't sleep, he can't eat, he's fighting with his wife. He's, it's, it's a nightmare. But... You could have a Vyikots moment. You could say, you know, this is a nightmare. I don't have to be living this. Whatever it is, I'm going to make a change. It's not working. It's a nightmare. I have to make a change. And then you make a change, whatever change you make. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you sell your business or you give it up or maybe you do something else. I mean, there are many, many things. Just using a business as a, as a simple example. But there's all kinds of things, people in their, in their, in their professions, in their, in, in their learning. Maybe you're learning a certain type of limud and it's, not, and it's not doing it for you. And maybe you should make a change and learn something else. Maybe if you're not, not enjoying to learn, to learn lambdas, maybe you should learn halacha. If, if it's not working, if you're in a rut and your life is, is, is just like, you know, you're just not enjoying it. Life, you're supposed to enjoy your life and, and you're supposed to feel good about it. And, and you're doing and doing and doing and it's not good. So then make a switch. But to make a switch, you need a Vayikots moment. You need to have a moment of, a, of, of an epiphany. You need to have a moment where you say, you know, I have to change this. And when you do that, there's a good chance you will be Matzliach. A good chance you'll be Matzliach. You're in the wrong place, change it, find something else, and you'll be Matzliach. This is what happened on Hanukkah. What was the first, the first instance of religious persecution in the history of the world? That means, not, that means the persecution of a religion, not of a religious people. To attack a religion, an ideology. The first case was the Yavonim. Before that, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was, was you know, he, he attacked Khalis, he attacked Eretz Yisrael, destroyed the base Migdash, brought everybody into exile, and then he called you in and said, you have to bow down to my Avedi Zorah. That was political. He didn't care. The, you, know, he said, you could keep Shabbos, you could do whatever you want. He provided kosher food for the meal of Hanani Mishal Vazaria in the, in the palace. He had no problem. The pagans were very, very tolerant. You have a religion, I have a religion, fine, no problem. But, but, when you hear, in my country, in my palace, you pay homage to my God. So that's not because he wanted to convert you to that. You just have to bow down to my God. You bow down to me, bow down to my God. That's what he wanted. So he was not persecuting the religion. He was not out to destroy the Torah. He was out to dominate the Jewish people. That's what he wanted to do. And that was in general the situation in the ancient world. But when it came to the Yavanim, the Yavanim was a different thing. The Yavanim, they, they, they went beyond the Vaidazara. They went to Kfira. They didn't, the, the Vaidazaras by, by the Greeks were a joke. I mean, if you, you know, in the I'm <laughs> not going to get into that. They they kept the Avodah Zorahs 
for 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 like for the cultural aspect that the celebrations and the festivals but if you read the literature of the Greeks they made fun of the gods they didn't think they didn't believe in this anymore they went to Kfira that was that was secular humanism that was the Greeks Secular humanism is very much in contrast with the Torah. But the Zorah could tolerate the Torah. Why not? You want to do that? Do that. Secular humanism is, is a worldview, it's an ideology, and it is a stira to the Torah. So they went out to destroy the Torah. They went to attack the ideology, they went to attack the religion. Now how did they do this? They did it by, by you know, a thousand cuts like the Chinese do. They, they first, you know, no Mila. No Mila. Okay, fine, but everything else you could do. So people say, you know, this was a terrible, terrible Xera. But, you know, what can you do? So you adapt it, fine, no Mila, no Mila. Next, I don't know what the order was. I don't know offhand what it was. Then you can't keep Shabbos. You can't keep Shabbos, oh, but, you know, okay, you started with the, with the situation. You know, you... you Adjust, fine, okay. We're living, and then you know, uh, you know, no, 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 no rishchaydish, no messes up the whole entire cal- calendar, messes up all the yom Taivan, But what can you do? You know, we be we 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 have, and then that uh, that boil lag mitchila that a kala has to go first to the bishop to the to the. To, you know, it, but but one step after another, and each one, you know, terrible, but. You have no choice. You accept it, and then the next step, and the next step, and they were eroding. They didn't just they didn't just make a frontal attack on the Torah. They attacked it by erosion. We cut off a little piece, and then another little piece, and another little piece, until the whole thing is destroyed. That's what they were doing, and it was a national nightmare. It was a nightmare. It was they were in this nightmare, and inexorably, the Greeks were destroying the Torah. Until the sister of Hashem got up, that the Medrash says, and she says, do you want this to happen to me? Is this what you want? And then the Hashem had a Vaikot's moment. They said, no, no more nightmare. No more. We're going we're gonna to change. We can't do this anymore. We're going to change. And then they went and they revolted, and the Rebbein Shalom gave them Hatzlacha, and they won. And that was what happened in Hanukkah. Hanukkah was the result of a very great for Ikat's moment for Kal Yisrael. And this is on the national scale, but on the personal scale, people also need to have Ikat's moments when they are in a situation which is nightmarish and it's not, not providing them with their needs, then you have to have an Ikat's moment. I'd like to include with just a couple of small observations. It says, Vayikru Parei Shem Yosef Tzofnes Paneach. Parei named them Tzofnes Paneach. So he gave him a different name. But if you turn the page, well, in this Chomish at least, uh, it says, Tasu. Go to Yosef, and so his name was Yosef, what was his name? So again, we come to what we spoke about in Pasha's Vayishlach, that, uh, that uh, Rachel called... Uh, when she, when Binyamin, she called him Ben Aini, 
and Yaakov Koroloi Binyamin, so why did he change the name? So I pointed out then that Unculus does not translate names, but he does translate Ben Oini, it says Bardavoy. So he says because Shmoi Ben Oini, but doesn't mean that his name was Ben Oini. She just said, This is the child of my sorrow. This is the child of my sorrow. She didn't give him a name. Yaakov gave him the name. Over here also, the Unculus doesn't say Tsofnas Paneach. The person to whom the hidden things are revealed. So that's he was just saying that he is, you know, it's just like a sobriquet. Uh, he's given him a title. Like you say, oh, this person, he's the Chesed man. I called him the Chesed man. Doesn't mean that his name is Chesed man. It's just, that's what we call him. So Yosef is called Tzofnas Paneach, the person who, can, who knows secrets that nobody else would know. That's what he called him. But his name was Yosef. And he didn't change his name. And he told him that when you go, go to Yosef. Okay, so then Yosef did his job. Tremendous amount. Until they stopped counting. He means the, the, the one who was counting. The accountant stopped counting. King Misper, because he couldn't count it. What is the tool of shyness at Kichodal? Kichodal Lisper, Kein Misper. What are these two things? So I think it's simple, but I, I asked a number of people to see if it really is simple, then I wouldn't say it. But since uh, you know, the people that I asked didn't know, and they were intelligent people, so I think it's good to say. What, what, what he's saying is this. Um, I once read in a book that the, uh, the Hottentots of Africa, the primitive, tribe in Africa. This goes many, you know, in the old times. I guess the Hottentots today all have laptops. But the Hottentots in the old times, they could count to three, and they couldn't count beyond three. Anything beyond three was a lot. They didn't have, the number four didn't exist in their language. So therefore, they could only count to three. So what he's saying here is, he in this part, they didn't have the number in the language. The Egyptian language didn't have the number. They had thousands of millions, but they didn't have trillions and billions. They didn't have that. Today, we have the ability to express any number. Of course, we'll say 10 to the 100th power. But we're not going to say trillion, 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 trillion. But we say that we have a way in our language, in our, our uh, you know, grasp of mathematics, we have a way of expressing astronomical number, astronomical numbers. We have a way of doing this. But the Egyptians didn't have it. Ain't this, but there was no number. <laughs> How could you count? We ran out of numbers. That's what Rashi says. Ain't this, Lefish, ain't this, They didn't have numbers. They didn't have numbers. So, one more thing. It says that when the brothers came, Vayisnakir aleihem, Vaydaber itom kosher. He made himself like a stranger to them, and he spoke harshly to them. Sarashi so says, He spoke to them as a stranger would speak, not as a brother, and he spoke to them harshly. So that's how, that's how Rashi explains the Pasuk. Unkeles says something else. He, yeah, I, I, obviously, I like to look at Unkeles a lot. He thought about what to say to them, and he spoke to them harshly. And by Yisnaqar Aleyim means that he like withdrew from them. When you're having a conversation, then you're engaged, and you talk, and I talk, and you talk, and I talk. But, but sometimes, in the conversation, you have to withdraw a little bit and think, okay, so how, what should I say here? 
So this is what this is how Uncleus learns the pasuk. By Snakaraleim, he he withdrew and he thought, "What should I say?" And then he said, "Kashes." So what? So what does this mean? It's been like this. This must have been a very emotional moment for Yosef. You know, finally his brothers are here, they sold him, and he's here, and he's the king, and his home is being fulfilled, and, and he has resentments, you know, we saw at the end that they thought he was going to kill them, at the end of Ayashi, they begged him not to kill them, and he did have resentments, he didn't talk to them in the last years, he didn't have anything to do with them, so there was a lot of emotion involved. Yosef did not want to answer them from a place of emotion. He is right now, the, the dream is being fulfilled, and he has an obligation, there was a plan, whatever his plan was to return it, and this and that, and get his father down, we're going to get into the plan right now. But he had a plan, and the plan had to be done with Yeshua Das, he had to think, what is the right thing to do, what is the right thing to say? And he stopped, and he thought, what should I say? Put my emotions aside, and he spoke to them harshly, but this harshly didn't come from a place of anger, it came from a place of reason. This is what has to be done. At this point, I need to speak to you in this and this way. That's how Uncle has learned this Pesach. Thank you very much, and uh, and I hope to see you next week. Thank you.